We've been talking about quality, producing things of quality, that being vintage. And I began to think each week, I've been thinking about something that's vintage, something that's been made with great quality. And I thought about our former high school pastor, Josh and Stacy Moore. Josh had an incredible ability with his hands. He can make a just about anything. Just really is really talented. A couple years ago when we were on our way to Florida, we stopped in Pensacola. And I sat at this table, I ate at this table, and I was like, wow, this is a nice table. Where'd you get this? He made it. Not a surprise at all. He made that table. And he can make so many things, and he makes so many things of great quality. And some of you, I mean, look at JD out there. I see some of you that you're so good with your hands. You know how to make things of quality, and you've produced something of quality. I have no idea how to do those, and God did not wire me that way. But that is something that was such, produced such great quality. It's vintage. And the goal of this series is to produce something better than a table in our lives. It's to produce something great quality in us spiritually. And I believe that's why we're here this morning. I believe that you're here this morning, whether you know it or not, you're here because you're wanting to produce something quality in your life. And the goal of this series is to produce a quality spiritual life. And we've been talking about seven, seven vintage habits uh, that have been going on for centuries in the lives of believers that are practices that help create a vintage faith. And if you've missed the last few weeks, I'll just bring you up to speed. Uh, about three weeks ago, we talked about, or Pastor Nate talked about, uh, the practice of authentic community, that God made us for one another. We're meant to be in relationship with each other. And in those relationships, they build us, they make us stronger. Uh, and and I, I love how Pastor Nate said that if you are not in a group of other believers sharing your life with them, you are robbing them of your story. And honestly, you're robbing yourself of the blessing if you're not living in life together in an authentic community. A couple weeks ago, we talked about biblical engagement, that we want to grow in the Word of God, that we want to, the, the reason we open up our Bibles, the reason we study that, the reason that we read that is the more that you know, the more that you can grow. And by the way, let me encourage you. Sometimes we, I, you know, that message was about you know, making it practical, making it repeatable, setting a time and a place. And you can sit out and say, I'm going to do 200 push-ups and you're never going to do it. But you can sit there and say, I'm going to do one push-up every day at six o'clock in the morning when I get up. And I just want you to know, you may have started reading your Bible every day and you found yourself missing some days. That's okay. Get back up. You ever miss a meal? You didn't stop eating. You got up, you doubled up on the next one, right? I mean, you just keep on going. I missed my first day yesterday of not doing a push-up. I just forgot to do it. Now, I usually do more than a push-up, but I forgot. I was like, shoot, I forgot. What, do I quit? No, I did two today. So, I mean, you know, I'm just very ambitious. Heather was on this streak in the Bible app, of, and she was on to 350 days in a row. And one of the days I had my phone out, and we were using my Bible app, and she didn't get on it, and she just drives her nuts that her streak was broken, and she doesn't have her streak anymore. So you start a new streak. So start a new streak today if you kind of gotten off track a little bit. And last week we talked about another vintage habit is joyful generosity, that God created us. He made for us to be like him, to be generous and giving. Studies show people of faith are more generous with charities than anyone else because it's not just something we do, it's who we are. Growing in Christ is also being uh, joyful in our generosity. So with that being in mind, before I kind of unveil what today is, I want you to think of a person or persons in your life, maybe multiple people in your life, that you admire. 
Some people in your life that, and I'm not talking about famous people. I'm not talking about Patrick Mahomes today. I know a lot of you got that on your mind, playing the bills. I'm talking about people in your life that you know. Think about some people in your life that you really admire. And think about their qualities. You got someone in mind? My mom called at the moment that I was in this part of the message, and I asked her the same question. I said, Mom, what are some two or three people that you really admire in your life? She goes, well, I got a lot of people that I admire. And she goes, you want me to rank them? I said, no, I don't want to rank. I just want, boom, three that come to your mind. So just don't worry about ranking them or anything. Just three people that come to your mind. And I said, who are some people that came, uh, come to your life? And she said, Lily Jackson, Paul Sadowski, and Jim Bond. And I was like, well, Jim Bond's my, my supervisor, kind of my boss, my district superintendent. She goes, no, his dad, Jim Bond Sr., when I was, uh, worked at Point Loma Nazarene University, he was my boss. And uh, so is a different Jim Bond Sr. And I said, what it was it about these three? Tell, describe a little bit about them. So Jim Bond Sr., she said, he just made you feel good about yourself. He was a man of integrity. And though he was the president of the university, he treated everyone equally, whether it was the custodian, whether it was a secretary like herself, or whether it was one of the professors, he treated everyone the same. And she admired that. And I said, well, who's Paul Sadowski? She says, when I was a teenager, that was my pastor. And she goes, if I remember right, I don't remember being the greatest preacher, but he was a great pastor and he loved people. And then I knew who Lily Jackson was. Lily Jackson was uh, my second and third grade Sunday school teacher in church growing up. She was in her 70s about that time. She was just a wonderful saintly lady, but I didn't know, remember much about her except how sweet she was. And so I was like, Mom, tell me more about Lily Jackson. What made her special? And she said, you know, she was a prayer warrior. She had lots of faith. She had overcome a lot in her life. When she was in her late 20s, early 30s, she was a pastor's wife. Her husband left her, and she never remarried. And all of her life, she just, she exemplified faith. In fact, she said when she moved to Colorado, her story was this. She moved with nothing. The only thing she came to Colorado with was a broken heart. That's the only thing she moved there with was a broken heart. But she goes, I watched, and she was so inspired me. And, and so I, I was kind of searching for some things. I said, what do they all have in common? And I want you to think about the people that you're thinking about. What do they have in common, those that you admire? What, what do they have in common? So I said, what, is, what are the three that you have in common? What did you uh, have in common about those three? And she said, they were kind and they were compassionate. Kind of still an answer. I was trying to feed for something, you know, trying to look for an answer. So I kind of was trying to reel her in. I said, what about, were they selfish or unselfish? And only as a mother could do, she said, well, that's just a dumb question. She said, of course they were unselfish. And I bet the same is true for you. The people that you admire in your life, they're very unselfish people. They're very giving of themselves and of their time. Today's habit, a vintage habit, is humble service, or what I call vintage service. Uh, we all know what it is these days not to get cu good customer service. We always get on the phone and boom, we get so many voice recordings. We get so many computer renderings. Uh, we take notice when we're given good customer service. This is deeper than that. Uh, Mother Teresa said this, a life not lived for others is not a life. So how do we live this life? Well, this life is... It's a work in progress. 
uh, for all of us. It, it's, it doesn't just happen, and until we get to heaven, we, it won't be completed. But it's something, it's a journey that we should aspire to in this life to be a servant. Uh, we've been sharing this each and every week. I've shared a pastor friend a, a quote of what we're meant to do and how we're supposed to grow. And boy, this seems like it's a long ways away today. So I'm just going to bring it a little closer because I don't have to walk so hard. It's a lot of exercise up here. A life lived for others is not a life. That's Mother Teresa. But what we've been saying uh, kind of in this series from uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Jack, as you physically decline, you were meant to become spiritually alive. All of us are physically declining. Bad news for all of us today. We're getting older. Uh, we're breaking down. Our bodies don't work like they used to. But the good news is the older we get, the more spiritually alive we can get. We're not meant to de decrease in our spiritual life. We're meant to increase and become more spiritually alive. And one of the ways we become spiritually alive, Paul said it this way, is in Romans 12, 11. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep. To keep something, you got to maintain it. You got you to stay after it. It's not something, it, it, can, it can leave you, so you got to maintain it. So keep your spiritual fervor. Or to stay spiritually alive, there's some maintenance. There's some, some work that has to go into it, and that comes through serving, serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If you want to stay spiritually alive, one of the best ways that we can do that is to serve God by serving others. And here's the thing. When we don't serve others, we shrivel up and die. I was just talking with a friend out there this morning, Mark, and we were talking about Pastor Bones and uh, so how we both miss him and what an impact he's made on all of our lives. But I know that I felt like the moment he was definitely heading towards death door was the moment he could no longer serve. It ate at him. He loved to serve people. He wanted to serve others. He was, even when he was, uh, couldn't anymore, he was thinking about when he could get healthy enough when he could serve again. And living a life for others is a way to bring spiritual vitality. But first, we have to understand that there's something that butts up against that. What keeps us from that servant? What keeps us from service? Self. We all have this thing called self. We all have this thing called our own self-interest. And the reality is we all have our own interests, and we think of ourselves a lot. I'm thinking about tomorrow morning is Monday. And when I come to Monday morning, I'm probably going to be thinking about my day, what's on my calendar, what's on my schedule, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to do. Uh, when I think about Heather, I'm probably thinking about some things that she can do and help. And there's just, just a lot of focus. It's natural for us to focus on ourselves. But too much of that is what leads to our conflicts. In fact, most of our conflicts in our life is because of ourself and self-interest. Uh, it's because of our desires. Most of our fights with our friends, our classmates, our teammates, our coworkers, even our fellow church uh, members and attenders, and especially in marriages, are because one or both of us are not getting our way. We were not getting our own self-interest. The half-brother of Jesus, James, said it this way, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We quarrel and we fight. Some of us uh, probably had some of those this week. Heather hates it. when. Well, I, even when I say Heather hates it, um, I'm just going to stop there and go to uh, a long time ago, Heather and I uh, were youth pastors in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We took about 35 uh, kids and sponsors up to Rocky Mountain National Park. Some of you have heard this story. It's been a while. But we were supposed to be the examples. We were supposed to be the leaders of the, our volunteers and our youth. And we were over Estes Park over 4th of July. And on 4th of July, we were going to go over to the Lake Estes and overlook um, the fireworks going off. And that week, I'm a competitive person, so I set up that whole week with the youth to be a, we broke us up into four teams, and we were competing with one another in a lot of different things, but we had an ongoing competition that week where I had each of uh, the teams name their team, come up with the flag. Ours was the Lion, the Tribe of Judah. We had big old flags, and you had to carry those around, and um, you had to protect your flag. And the only times they, they were, you couldn't um, take them from another, or another um, group or another team was when we were sleeping at night, and that was it. At mealtime, someone had to be holding their flag. Uh, when you were going into the town, into Estes Park, someone had to be holding their flag. When we hiked up to 10, 11,000 feet, you had to be holding this. It was a big old pole, big old flag. I mean, it was, it was, it was awkward. It wasn't, it wasn't convenient. But someone on the team had to be holding the flag. Well, before we went up to uh, Estes Park and went over to the Lake Estes, we went to the grocery store, and we were sitting out in some chairs waiting while some of the group was doing some shopping. And Heather came up to me, and I was responsible for holding my flag at that point. Heather came up to me, and she knows my weaknesses. And she says to me, can I have your flag? Well, I'm talking to someone, and I'm kind of one-track, focused mind. And I wasn't thinking. I just gave her my flag. <laughs> and my kids, my teammates were like, what are you doing, Pastor Ken? What are you doing? That's our flag. What are you doing? And I was like, oh. I just willingly gave it to her. Heather, give it back. And she's like, no, I got it fair and square. I was like, Heather, give it back. And I'm going to speed this up because uh, we don't have time to tell the whole story. Let's just say that something that was very simple went very immature very quickly. And I began to fight and kind of argue with her. And finally it was like, fine, I'll get the flag back. And we went over to Lake Estes. There was this big hill that we set up and some of the kids wanted to go down to the bottom of the valley and they wanted to play ultimate frisbee. Well, Heather wanted to play too. But Heather had a problem. She had her flag and my flag, and she was holding on to those. She gave her flag to one of the teammates that didn't, wanna, wanted, didn't want to uh, play. And she went down about halfway down the hill to a couple and their teenage son. She didn't even know who they were, and she whispered in their ear. And the next thing I know, that teenage son is holding this flag. And I'm thinking, what? You can't do that. So I waited till she went down there and started playing ultimate frisbee, and then I went down the hill and I tried to rip that flag out of this teenager's hands, but he didn't even know what was going on, but she must have given him quite a lecture because he held on it for dear life, and I was like, give that to me. He's like, no, I'm arguing with a stranger, I give it to me. We rolled down the hill with the flag, got down to the end, and I ripped that flag out of his hand, and it was mine at that point. Heather came over, and she was like, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's not fair. I gave it to him. I did. 
We started, I'm going to fast forward again, everything went from zero to 100 in immaturity, on my part mostly. And we began to have a fight and argument. All of a sudden, we noticed we were the only ones having the fight and the argument. All of our team groups and all of our sponsors had disappeared because we were fighting and quarreling and arguing, and it was not pretty. And then all of a sudden, we were left with embarrassment. And, and, and we were humiliated because we, uh, gotten real, we had become really immature. I should say I became really immature really quick and really fast. Why? Because I didn't get what my desires were. I didn't get what I wanted. I wanted, couldn't get. And we didn't kill each other. I know this. It, and, and Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, James is not saying that, we, that you desire but you don't have so you kill. He's using that figuratively. He's not actually saying, I mean, maybe there's some cases, but he's not saying you're actually killing one another. Now, most of us don't actually kill someone we, when we don't get our way, but we may kill or destroy a marriage. We may kill or destroy a friendship. We may kill or destroy a relationship at work. So what's the answer? The antidote to our selfishness is always serving. The antidote for our selfishness is serving. Let's be real. It's not wrong to have our own interests. That would be an impossibility. All of us have our own interests and things that we're interested in. But the secret to a happy life, the secret to a, a life like Jesus is more of others, less of ourselves equals more like Jesus. And, and I believe that most of us are here because we at least want to know more about Jesus. We, we want to be more like Jesus. And for us to become more like Jesus, it means it's, we have to think more about others and less of ourselves. And the more that we do this, the more like Jesus that we become. The less we put our self-interest at heart and put others' interests at heart, the more like Jesus we become. John the Baptist said it this way, He must become greater, I must become less. And John was happy in that moment. He talked about how it brought him joy that Christ was becoming greater and he was becoming less. The Apostle Paul said that we're to imitate Christ. When he was writing to the Philippians, he said this about thinking of others. He said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of, other, of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, which implies that we have our interests. That's, it's normal. We have our interests. But don't just look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And if you want to follow in your notes this morning, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. But I was beginning to think, what is that attitude of Jesus? What was it about Jesus? What is that attitude that he had? And these are some words that I begin to think of that we can find in Scripture. We can find examples of this. But I just quickly want to give you some of these. And you know this to be true. Qualities of a servant as Jesus lived. Number one, he, he was obedient. Jesus was obedient. Of course, he was obedient to the cross. But he, he chose God's will over his own will. He chose the Father's will over his own. He said, this is what I'd prefer, but nevertheless, your will, not my will, be done. He was obedient. And when we say yes to God or no to God, we're choosing whether we're being obedient or whether we're, or we're being disobedient. The second quality is he was humble. 
Jesus made himself nothing. He, he lowered himself to lower than the angels. He, he, he lowered himself, he took on our humanity. I love how Paul talked about how he was a man of, he made himself a man of no reputation. So many of us, we desire to build a good reputation, and there's nothing wrong with building a good reputation, but we desire our own reputation. Jesus sought to be a man of no reputation, to make himself as nothing. And, of course, we have the example of him washing the disciples' feet. Nothing was beneath him. Jesus was humble. The third, he was sacrificial. He was willing to sit, submit to God's plan, over his own plans. Going where he leads often comes at a cost, but a servant of God does so willingly, does it sacrificially. He was focused on his mission. Jesus set the example for us when he knew what he, had, what he was there for. He had come to preach the good news. He had come to seek and save that which was lost, and he knew that ultimately led to a path to the cross. He was focused on his mission. Our mission, I need to remind us every once in a while around here, our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus and to take their next step in their journey with God. That's why we're here, is we want to help inspire people to follow Jesus and take their next step in their journey with God. And then we see that Jesus gave us the example that he was motivated by love. Everything that he did was love was at the center of it. He served where needed. You ever thought about this? Was Jesus as obedient as a carpenter as he was a teacher? I believe he was every bit, I, I believe he was every bit as obedient as a carpenter as he was a teacher. I believe he was every bit obedient as he was a carpenter as he was a savior. Three years he had a public ministry, but probably about age 12 when his dad would start, uh, you know, sharing his trade with him, and from about 12 to 30 when he was a carpenter, Jesus was every bit obedient doing the things that he didn't get recognition for, people didn't notice, or people didn't see. Are we willing to serve where needed, or only where we prefer or feel comfortable, or where we'll get recognition? And finally, uh, Jesus if we're going to follow his example, expect to suffer. The qualities of a servant, they're obedient, they're humble, they're sacrificial. Jesus showed us that they're focused on the mission, they're motivated by love, they serve where needed, and they expect suffering. Now, Jesus gave us the example of the cross. We may not actually die. We, we're told to pick up our cross daily and follow him. We may not have a physical death. It could happen, but loving with out condition is risky, and when we love without condition, it can lead to rejection. It can lead to persecution. It may not cost us our lives, but it will definitely cost us our comfort. It will cost us our pride. It will cost us our own agendas. Uh, Matt Smurthurst on Twitter said this, when we say we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we must remember what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus. So often I, I pray that prayer. Lord, help, me, help let us be your hands and let us be your feet. It made me think sometimes that comes with the cost. So how can you serve? Mother Teresa said this too. Because sometimes we think it's such a grand scale or grandiose. And she said, just 
Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. How do we serve? Help one person at a time and start with the person nearest you. Start with the people nearest you in your life. Start with your husband. Start with your wife. Wife, start with your husband. Parents, start with your children. Grandparents, start with your children and your grandchildren. Children, start with your parents. When we go to work, we should be the best employees. We should be serving others. We should be the best co-workers, believers, Christians. We should be the best people to work with. We, we should bring a fragrance into the air and people should want to come to work and work with us. Start with those who are nearest you, our classmates. And then start with those with the closest needs to you. Sometimes we, we're waiting for that big opportunity. We're waiting for that thing where we go, man, if, if I could just do that, then I would really be serving. If I could do something on a big scale, if I could just wait for that opportunity or that divine moment. I've used a lot of Mother Teresa, and it's not on your screen today, but I uh, came across this too. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we're all called to do small things with great love. So start with the people nearest you. Start with the needs that are closest to you. And then I'm going to share this last one. Start with the gifts God has given you. Start with the gifts God has given you and start with the church that you belong to. That's what the Apostle Paul actually said in Romans chapter 12. He said, start with your church, start with, with the gifts that you have for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears. So in Christ, we though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We are not our own. We belong to one another. It's not just us. We're meant to, we're meant to work as one body. When we, with that, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And as I say, as, we, as Paul shares these, I would say, you're going to look at some of these and go, well, that's my gift or not my gift. We're all called to give. We're all called to serve. We're all called to lead our families. We're all called to teach our children. There's aspects that we all have these gifts, but there are gifts that some have been given more of. And if your gift is prophesying or preaching, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, I love this gift. And thank you. Uh, during this month of October, one of my favorite uh, gifts was from my little neighbor. And uh, he wrote the cutest little note, what, uh, about fifth grade, fourth grade. I love it. I love encouragement. We all love encouragement. If your gift, though, is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it is, and I think that's it, right? Was there a verse 8? I had a verse 8 in mind, but I just probably wrote it down. If it's to prophesy, if it's to serve, it's to teach, it's to encourage, if it's to lead, if it's to give, do it with the best that God has given you. Start with the gifts God has given you and start with your church. Um, so if I go back and say start with those closest to you, uh, right now you're in church. You're with your church family. And I would just want to share with you that we have some needs in our church. 
Um, you could go to any one of our pastors and each of them would have some things that they could share with you. Pastor Nate could talk about hospitality and, and connecting in life groups. Um, he would share there's opportunities for us to, to make a better first impression. We need those that would serve in that area. If you were to talk to Pastor Dustin today, he would tell you that we need some more guitarists. Uh, we need some more, don't we, Felipe? We need some more guitarists. We need some more instrumentalists and bass players. And um, we need more people that are willing to be behind the scenes as well. Those in our tech that just do their job faithfully and no one knows that they do it. Uh, Lincoln Brewster. He's a worship pastor in Sacramento of a church of uh, over 15,000. And he used to be part of a, uh, he's a great guitarist, and he used to be a part of Journey. Uh, he was incredible. And then he found Jesus, found the Lord, and he went to a little small church, or went to a medium-sized church in Modesto, California. And they had no idea that he was this incredible guitarist that had played in bands and had famous things, uh, famous players that he'd played with. But he just was so in love with Jesus. He came in there, he wanted to serve. And he could have, from day one, could have led worship, could have been the guitarist. But what he did for the next six to eight months, he worked in the tech booth. He worked with the sound. And he made it the best that he could. He didn't want to get any recognition. He just wanted to serve where it was needed, and they needed those in the tech area. And then finally, this morning, I'm going to share with you as we kind of close out here this morning that our children's ministry is a place that we have need right now. It's a place that's close to us. It's a place where it's, there's a great need for it. Can I share some good news with you first? Uh, every Wednesday night, let me even go up to middle school and high school. Every Wednesday night, we have between 75 and 90 middle schoolers in high school every single Wednesday night that are being ministered to by our church and by your generosity and through our youth pastors. Uh, we have on Wednesday night 60 to 80 preschool up through fifth grade kids that are being ministered to. And that is, those numbers are higher than pre-pandemic. Uh, on Wednesday nights. Sunday morning, we still have, you know, 70 to 90 kids that we're ministering to between our two services. But this last um, Wednesday afternoon, we had to make a really difficult decision, a painful decision, one, a decision we've never made before. And by the way, this message was planned out long before this on serving, but this next part was not planned out. And I said, Christy, would you come up and would you share your heart? Because we had to do something in our children's ministry we've never had to do before. We had to cancel Wednesday night. Because the amount of kids is growing and the amount of volunteers has stayed the same or has been less since COVID. And it broke Christy's heart. The rest of us were like helping make a decision that she did not want to make because it broke her heart. I, I saw her heart. I saw the tears that she shed because it broke her heart to cancel Wednesday night. And I just asked Christy to come up and share a little bit of her heart, of our children's ministry, and, uh, you know, and inspire us, too, of what God is doing in our kids and our kids' life and our volunteers. But I just asked her to, to come up and share her heart with us this morning before I close out the message today. All right. Thank you, Pastor Kent. Um, as Pastor Kent said, it's a great problem to have. Um, we are seeing growth in our children's ministry, which we love. Um, but safety is our number one priority, and so as he said, this 
um, the past four weeks have been really difficult with volunteers and just having enough volunteers out there. Um, and as you guys know, um, the younger kids need a lot more interaction one-on-one -on -one with adults. Um, on Sundays, we are able to survive, if I'm honest, by teens volunteering in our kids' ministry, which I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, over half of our volunteers on Sunday mornings are our teens. Um, so they start in middle school, coming back out to serve. And I love their hearts to serve those kids and to connect with them but we also need adults out there. So um, I know it's not a gift that everyone is given, and we want you to serve in the right place. As Pastor Kent said, there's a lot of places to serve in the church, but we need to come together as one church and find our place that we God has gifted us to serve and to give back. And we don't want this to just be a plea of, please come help us and kids, but we do want you guys to know the need because what we realized on Wednesday is... A lot of you guys don't even know there's that need out there. Um, unless you have kids, most of you don't ever enter that side of our building. And so you don't see how many kids we have or know that we are hurting in that area. And I also want to take a moment to thank the volunteers that are faithful out there. Because I felt really bad on Wednesday canceling and some of them were really upset. They look forward to that. To being here with our kids and to pouring into them and loving on them and just showing up for them. It's really important for our kids to have adults in their life that show up for them because some of them don't have that at home. And um, even if they do, I'm a mom of three and I love other adults that pour into my kids. There's things that my kids won't listen to from mom and dad, but if they have other spiritual leaders, other adults that can speak into their life, it makes a huge difference for them. And so um, we just kind of wanted to share that, that it is a need. Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings are a need. Um, Sunday mornings, specifically our preschool, you guys have seen all the baby dedications happening, which is fabulous. But um, our preschool volunteers are getting overwhelmed. We're right, Rachel? Yeah. Um, they have been, there's some Sundays they have about 20 kids in one room and from the age span of two to five. And if you know little kids, that's really hard to, um, get them to learn anything or to do any activity with them. And so we need to make those small groups smaller and be able to, um, we want the kids to be known, valued, and connected. And it's really hard to connect with them and to know them personally when there's so many of them in one class. And so um, I just wanted to share those needs with you guys today. So um, if someone is wanting to serve, mm -hmm. uh, what are kind of the requirements? What are kind of the minimum standards and why that okay. we ask of our volunteers? Yeah, so um, the first step would be contacting me or marking it on your connection card today that you're interested in that. And um, then we run a background check. That's required for all of our volunteers in kids ministry, whether you are a small group leader or you serve at our welcome desk, um, just anybody that has access to our kids. Um, we do that for safety. Once you fill that out once, it automatically reruns every 12 months so they stay up to date. Um, and then from there, everything is prepared for you. I know a lot of people look at their schedules and they're like, I don't have time to prepare a lesson. It is prepared for you. Um, and so I teach the large group lesson every week. We do worship together, um, kindergarten through fifth grade. We do our worship. We kind of do this. 
but out in kids, worship and um, the lesson. And then you guys break into small groups, and that's why we would say small group leaders rather than a Sunday school teacher. Um, And you guys do activities with them that reinforce the lesson that we talked about that day. Um, And then it's just about connecting with them and giving them a safe place, um, prayer requests, praying with them, those kinds of things. And then preschool, um, they also have a lesson that's fully prepared. Um, and you guys do the activities with them that are prepared for you. And what are kind of the minimum requirements as they're thinking about, like one Sunday month, two Sunday month, those things? Okay, so um, we ask that our elementary volunteers volunteer a minimum of two times a month every other week. And if you happen to be out of town on your week, we flip-flop. We are um, good about doing that. But we do that so that the kids are building a mentorship with you. We want it to be a familiar face. We want you guys to be building a relationship with them and it not be a new person with new rules every time they walk in the classroom. Um, And on preschool, we also do the two times a month minimum. But nursery, we're a little more flexible on. We have some great volunteers that are in there every week. And then um, we just need hands in there that love to hold babies. And so if that's something that you're missing, if you're at a phase in your life that you just want to snuggle a baby, um, I know Don Demet would love to have some of you come help him so he's not holding three at a time. Um, Which we don't do. No, 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 no. Um, But just extra hands in there. And so that one, we're a little more flexible. It can be once a month. Preferably once a month is makes our scheduling easier. Um, If you absolutely can't do once a month but would like to be on the schedule, that one's a little more flexible. Okay. Well, thank you, Christy, for sharing the need with you. And we thought we just need to be honest with you and share the need because raising up the next generation is one of our four core values around here, that we're to reach wide, teach deep, unleash compassion, and we're here to raise up the next generation. And what goes on in our children's ministry is not babysitting. We don't babysit. We're teaching those kids the Word of God and the love of God so they can experience Christ in their lives. And so, um, yes, it's child care when it's nursery, but once we're preschool, there's lessons. I mean, they're, they're shorter, but we don't want to just babysit, and that includes Wednesday nights. We want the kids, we want to pour into their lives, invest their lives. So by having some more volunteers will allow us to get some class sizes back down to the sizes that they should be and also uh, spread that out amongst um, our volunteers. And we also just said, you know what, we want to honor the volunteers that we have. And by just asking them to do more is not uh, showing them value and respect as well too. And so I just share that need with you. And I would ask that you just pray about it. We don't want any guilt. It's like the message last week. We don't want anyone to give out a compulsion. We want you to see the need But we want you to give because you're going to say yes and be obedient to maybe what God's asking you to do. And so um, I would just ask that you take a connection card um, today, and I would ask that you pray, God, is there anything you would have me to do on that one? Um, Is there anything in ways that I could serve, whether it's holding babies, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday? Fill out the connection card. You can also do it by the hub on 94,000 and and let us know ways that uh, that you're willing to serve. And uh, that would go a long ways to helping us communicate. And then, again, uh, Christy will follow, uh, Pastor Christy will follow up with you after that. 
Um, we do background checks on everyone, as she said, because safety is our number one priority in our children's ministry. The pastors are given background checks. And so all of us have background checks, uh, but uh, we would love to have uh, you consider serving in our children's ministry. And I just a shout out as well to all of our volunteers that have currently served. We couldn't do it without you. A shout out to our young people. Um, you're not too young to serve, and we thank you for that. And then also, you're not too old to serve. I think of a couple of our ladies that um, you don't share a lady's age, and I don't know their ages, but I know they're in their 70s. But Colleen Allen and, I mean, uh, Corey Allen and Colleen Holmberg um, holding babies out there. Um, I'm thankful for some of our grandmothers that are being grandmothers. And so there's a place for you to serve, even if it's, even if you can't hold babies and you can kind of be around there and, and, and love on them, there's a place for you to serve. Well, would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for uh, your love for us today and thank you for this church. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for a problem. I want to thank you that we have children in this church to minister to. I want to thank you you brought us a lot of children to this church to minister to. Lord, I have pastor friends. I know churches, Lord. They have no children's ministry. They have no nursery. God, they, they, would, they would give their right arm to have some children in their ministry. And I thank you, God, that we don't have that problem. Um, and Lord, you told us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, that the one prayer that you called us to pray is to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers in the, in the, in the field to bring in the harvest. So Lord, I pray that Lord, the people that you want to impress upon their hearts today, that they would respond with an attitude of obedience, uh, that they would, um, Lord, do it sacrificially and willingly, not because they have to, but because you've called them to. And Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing, all that you're going to do. And Lord, help us all to serve those uh, that we're closest to this week, our wives, our husbands, our children, our parents, our coworkers. Lord, help us to become more like you by serving others the way that you've served us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Would you stand with us this morning? Have a great rest of your day, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.